1: Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears.
0: Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell.
2: Good morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps Patriot Podcast. I'm your host Tom Purcell. You can follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com where you can find links to us on all the social media sites including Gab and Parler. The show is available to subscribe to also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. Remember, for only a $2 donation, you get access to all five audio shows every week. If you'd like to see ad-free content and video of the show, click on the links on our website. Good morning! So we got a lot to get to before we end out the week today. I've been watching this week a lot of stories on celebrities, like Will Smith and Sean Penn was on Hannity. And I got to tell you when I when I see what them talk and how they reason things out and then what they tweet out they're they're not like the rest of us in the, the way they think about about certain things, about inflation, about problems, about ways in society. I know I've always said this a lot, that they're typical liberals. They, they believe in things that they want you to do, but they don't follow the rules themselves. They talk about global warming, then they go out and, and ride around in rich yachts. They talk about certain other things like saving uh, fuel and whatnot, and they go right ahead and, and do just the opposite. It's like when I was thinking about John Travolta, big movie star, make right tons of money. And this is not to say that they shouldn't have the money that they do or earn the money. It's a very rare talent to be able to entertain people and do so successfully year after year and that's why they're so highly so highly paid. But we've seen jet fuel go from what, a buck 50 a buck 80 a gallon to now over 4, 5, 6 bucks a gallon depending on where you get it. This is a guy who has a house with a runway out in front of it. And he has a garage attached to his house, not for his cars, but for a 727 jetliner, which he flies to wherever he needs to go if it's far away. I would assume he takes a vehicle, like a car, to the grocery store, But think about this. I haven't seen John Travolta say, well, I'm going to have to give up my planes. I'm going to have to give up my lifestyle. I'm going to have to give this up because uh, the inflation has gotten so bad or the increase in prices have gotten so bad. You've seen a few celebrities come out and complain about the gas prices. But they don't think like us. They don't sweat the details because they seem to have a plethora of cash Until it just runs out one day. Like Ed Ed McMahon was like this. He was going out drinking, living the full lifestyle of a celebrity. And then when the Carson show ended, when the Tonight Show ended, his money started to start to dwindle. and, And he wasn't asked to do other things anymore. And then just one day he wakes up and he's got no money anymore. They're not like us. They don't think like us. They don't experience recessions like us. They don't experience inflation like us. I remember when there was a a water shortage in California. Now that I've lived through California during water shortages, it's cyclical. But they started restricting water that you could use on your property for watering lawns. You weren't allowed to water your lawn. I don't know if you remember this story from a few years ago. But people's lawns were all going brown in the town. People who invested tens of thousands of dollars in landscaping were now suddenly not able to take care of it properly. And then I saw a story about Tom Selleck. Now Tom Selleck is a big movie star, lots of lots of money, lots of celebrity fame. He could not walk down the street without somebody noticing him. That's the you know he has a, a great deal of fame to attach to his name. And he was accused of wasting water. He had a water truck show up at his house, a water truck, and would water the lawn. And these trucks had like $10,000, $20,000 of water in it. And he was spending money to bring water out. And people thought, oh, he's wasting water. But no, they were getting the water from, from contracts that they had for, with, with water suppliers. He would pay 10000 $20,000 for a truck full of water just to keep his lawn green. I mean, think about that. Think about the kind of money that he was just literally spraying on his lawn to make sure it saved. Look, now I understand it was a big property and you know, you're know you talking about several, uh, maybe several hundred thousand dollars worth of landscaping when it's all said and done, but that's not the point. This guy's was spending that kind of money just to water a lawn. It's like, right, even, even if I had that kind of money, I don't know if I could spend it to, to, to Uh, to water my lawn. Meanwhile, the rest of us all have, you know, all schmoes, got to watch our lawns die and and leaves uh, appear and and grass turn brown unless we replace it with all cactus. And he's going and watering his lawn with, with thousands of dollars worth of water. That's what I mean, they don't think like us. So when these hardships come out and these cackling hens on the view they talk about it in certain ways. Well, you know, you got to deal with it. You got to, they, they're not. They, they don't understand what it means to be a, a month short of income a year. They, they just don't. If they get low on money, they do a concert or they do a show or they have always contracts available. There's always somebody that we're going to hire, Whoopi Goldberg, for to endorse a product. So they don't understand it. They don't have a comprehension of it. So when Sean Penn comes out, says, oh, Zelensky's going to win the war and everything. He has no clue what he's talking about. I don't care if he went to Ukraine and he talked with the people involved. Trust me, he has no idea what's going on in Ukraine any more than I do. But he doesn't have the depth of understanding of history that I do. And so that's why when I talk about these things, I'm talking about it from a historical perspective. You know, when I questioned some of these war crimes, it wasn't that I was questioning whether the war crimes were happening. I was questioning our understanding of war crimes and and what they are. And I'm not saying Putin didn't do it. What I'm saying is, is you got to prove it. And we all should examine the evidence carefully before we make accusations that'll widen the war. And what you know, I, As much as I, I understand Hannity's point of view and Sean Penn's point of view, doing an interview like that, which is going to attract a large audience that maybe might not watch Hannity normally, and him spouting off at the mouth about Ukraine, potentially will cause a lot of damage. Potentially, it could lead to a widening of this war. These kind of accusations about Vladimir Putin, it's not that Vladimir Putin's a good guy. It's that you've got to understand the implications of what you're doing from a historical point of view. And these people, these celebrities that go around giving their opinions on things, they don't have that context. They don't have the intellectual understanding of a situation to really make an accurate description of what's going on. We don't know what's going on in Ukraine because it's one people fighting against the same. Both the Ukrainians and Russians are the same people. It's essentially a territorial conflict within former Soviet republics. And so you don't know what's going on. When you, you could see troops in Russian uniforms shooting Ukrainians, and they could be Ukrainians underneath those uniforms and vice versa too. When you see films of Ukrainian tanks blowing up Russian tanks, you have no idea if it's not a defector because they're using the same military equipment. Just because they put a flag on their tank means nothing. I, I saw guys riding down the street in, they're U- supposedly Ukrainians that were carrying the Nazi flags and had Nazi symbols on their helmets. And at the same time, I saw Russian tanks with what? A red flag and a hammer and sickle like the Chinese still use. I have no idea what's going on over there. And that's what you typically find in a civil war rather than a real war. Real war, each side has different uniforms, different sides, speak different languages. You know you're fighting. The clarity of it is missing in this war. And so before we go making accusations about anybody, and before we go accusation about Putin, about accusations about Zelensky, I'm just saying I don't trust either of them. And when I see the kind of media push that is going on, We need to be more involved. Look at these horrible crimes. Look at what's going on. I know when I'm being sold a bill of goods. If it was as bad as they say it is, you wouldn't need to do that. And a direct conflict between NATO and Russia will have no winners, regardless of the outcome. And it should be avoided. And that's why talk peace. Well, before we all begin accusing people of things, before we go... Ending up people on the end of ropes. You better be careful about it. Before we go seizing yachts and and property of people, you should understand the implications of that we'll blow back onto the American people and as well as the Russian people. Economic sanctions. Yellen was just talking about it today. She says all these economic sanctions will hurt us probably too. Well, why don't we just talk about settling our conflict in Ukraine? What are the issues? And I don't see anybody from NATO, from Russia, anyone talking about what's going on in the negotiations in Belarus. I don't hear Zelensky talking about it. All I hear Zelensky is Zelensky is beating the drum of war. And that's a problem. That's something that you should question. Take a step back and see the forest for the trees. And that's like why I started with this segment. Celebrities are not doing that. And when all the celebrities are all on board on one side... That, that to me tells me something ain't right. They're missing it because they always do. They're the ones that will spray water on the lawn, fly a 727 to for a dinner date in New York. Not us. And so their motivation and their factors and what's going on with it, we're thinking, is different than us. Don't just accept it on face value. Let's talk about something else. I, I, got a, I had a couple mechanics tell me this over the last couple of months through emails. There's a story out there about electric cars. And I found an article today that followed up on some of these reports, which were anecdotal, which is why I didn't talk about it on the show. But now I'm seeing it appear in the press and I'm seeing stories pop up. I'll put one of them, which I shared with my personal Facebook friends. I'll put one of them on LibertyNeversleeps.com. If you're a subscriber, you'll get the email. But I got to talk about this and what electric cars and and what people have been missing in all this discussion. We'll be right back.
1: Say goodbye.
2: As you know, I've always been opposed to the subsidization of electric vehicles, not the vehicle itself. I know people have them. I have no problem if you want to go out and spend your money on a private company's product like an electric car. What I have a problem with is the U.S. taxpayers subsidizing it all or being twisted with their arms into buying them. That's when I have an objection. For years, we've talked about a lot of different aspects on electric and hybrid vehicles. Are they efficient? Well, how will we replace the batteries? Uh, uh, How will we dispose of the batteries? Are they really as green as they say are? These are all obvious discussions which we've had over the years, which I feel are relevant to the story. I started getting reports on this about a year ago. Emails from friends that were mechanics, people in the industry they were telling me that these cars which no one really figured if you'd sat down and maybe thought about it you would realize it cars are falling apart so you got to understand an electric vehicle has an electric motor so it develops power very differently it develops a high torque low horsepower motor it's not it's not calculated in the same way as a gasoline motor it, The the physics of it is different. When you apply electric power to the wheels, you get instant acceleration because the power is on. You can increase the power, but you get almost no lag. With a a piston-powered vehicle, fossil fuel-powered vehicle, there's a lag. That's why if you have an automatic transmission, you need to have a torque converter. Uh, If you use a manual transition, you have to ease it in with clutches and gears. But an electric vehicle doesn't operate that way. It's all torque. If you know anything about physics, you'll know what I mean. So as a result, the manufacturers had to make the cars differently. Quite often, they use lighter materials like carbon fiber panels, uh, stamped steel rather than rolled steel or solid steel on the undercarriage and underpinnings. The braking systems are inherently different. Quite often, the, the rear brakes are not used in electric vehicle, only the front, because braking in an electric vehicle is a matter of also power reduction rather than actual direct friction application of brakes. It works just very differently. It's not a gasoline car with an electric motor, mind you. It's an electric vehicle, and it has a lot of different systems that operate in a lot of different ways. When the cars start to age... They're finding a significant problem with deterioration in the materials, particularly in the northern states. The metal is not holding up. The undercarriages are wearing out much faster than an ordinary gasoline vehicle, which is heavier and uses different kind of materials. When you look at the undercarriage, if you've ever worked on cars, you know that there are things like sway bars and suspension parts that are solid steel. When you go in an undercarriage on an electric field, they're not always that way. It's stamp steel. In other words, it's pressed plates because they had to do something to reduce the overall weight of the vehicle. Otherwise, the electric vehicle would not perform as well as it does. It wasn't just the improvements to the battery. It was significant change in the way the materials are built in the car. It doesn't have as much soundproofing, for instance. It doesn't have the kind of welds that you'll see on a gasoline vehicle. And as a result, the vehicles are not holding up. In particular, there are some vehicles, the rear brakes, because they're not used in an electric vehicle, not much. The rear brakes have deteriorated to the, to the where the rust is making them fall off the car in only eight years. It's a particular problem in the northern states, which have a lot of road salts and ice in the winter. And the cars underneath are coming apart. In the hotter states like Arizona... New Mexico, California, and Southern California, where you're in a drier, hotter climate. You don't really have the rust problem, but you have a problem with the separation of carbon fiber panels. And this is the kind of deterioration that happens, one, when they're not using the car and also sitting in a garage because they have to to plug it in to charge the vehicle. Heat builds up in your garage. Your garage typically will get a little hotter, like you're in the inside of your house if it was not air conditioning. Cars are not holding up. Cars are falling apart. And there's two aspects of this that's a problem. One, the cars are expensive to make and are heavily subsidized by the U.S. taxpayer. An equivalent vehicle of a 40000 gasoline vehicle would be 60000 if it's an electric version of it. It's an expensive car. It uses high technology components. A lot more computer chips, a lot more wiring harnesses, and a lot more sophisticated building techniques like carbon fiber panels. Because they're falling apart, that means they're going to need to be replaced and they can't be traded in. When you go to trade in these electric vehicles, they have to do a very thorough inspection because what's being traded in may not be sellable anymore. These parts are not replaceable. To replace a whole new suspension on a Toyota Prius or a a back brake kit makes it almost unworthwhile to save the car. And so they end up in a landfill, not to mention the fact the battery is going to wear out used electric vehicles there's not really a market for as a result the depreciation on them is terrible so now here you've invested 60,000 in a car and you assume that after six or five seven or eight years after owning it after you put let's say sixty, seventy, eighty thousand 80,000 miles on it you go trade it in and then the dealer says i can't give you anything for it well why not well i've looked underneath and the suspension's falling apart the battery's about to go the Back brakes need to be completely replaced all the way down to the spindles because it's all rusted. It's never been used. So I can only give you 4000 instead of where a gasoline car might give you fifteen on a sixty vehicle. Well, I now can't afford to buy a new car even with the subsidies. Well, now what? Well, I got to buy a used car. Well, there aren't any used cars because we've now made the mileage 40, 50, 60 miles per hour on the fleet. And so you've got to buy what? A new electric car because there are too many used electric vehicles. It's going to make gasoline power cars, which are older and use regular construction techniques, a little bit more expensive. That's part of the reason why people are buying cars in ale. That's why a lot of the reason why the lots are empty. There's a problem with the t- chip delivery. These electric cars require sophisticated electronics as well as uh, most modern vehicles. They require a lot of computer chips, and so there's, n- there's not available as what they used to be. So there is a, a problem there, but there's also a problem with buying. People are buying these gasoline-powered vehicles, so now we've got a problem. The United States taxpayers on the hook for all these subsidies. This is something nobody really figured when they constructed the vehicle other than maybe a few engineers sitting around the table going, "Well, oh, you know, this car's not going to hold up. It's not going to it's not going to wear. We we really haven't had long-term studies on electric vehicles. You know, we now have experience with gasoline vehicles. We know how long they're going to last. We the construction techniques used in a gasoline powered vehicle are essentially the same gas techniques that they've been using for 30, 40, 50 years." Even though many of them use, you know, more modern, sophisticated methods than the old Model T's, they're still largely built the same. These electric vehicles require a lot more insulation, a lot more difficulty in the filling of body panels to prevent water getting into the electrical components. It's, it's a whole different process. And nobody's really considered it. Like I said, maybe the engineer's sitting around going, oh, well, wow, you know, these cars might not last as long. Well, we'll deal with it when the problem comes up, Right. Maybe by then we'll have solved the problem of the rear brakes on the Toyota Primus as an example. So we're not going to worry about it right now. Well, now we're eight, ten years down with all these electric vehicles. Now, suddenly there's a problem with them. That may be why you're starting to see these stories about Tesla fires. People have not put in high-quality components to charge the vehicle. They're eight to ten years old. Some of the electrical components are breaking down in heat and whatnot. That's a problem. Now, consider for the fact that the administration wants us in these electric vehicles nationwide. It's constantly pushing them with subsidies and arm-twisting. Well, that's what I feel a lot of this gas problem is, is coming from. The, the, the administration is shutting off the flow of oil to the American consumer and driving up prices and encouraging them to buy electric cars. What did Pete Buttigieg say when people complained to him in a, in a press conference about, well, you could save money, just go buy a Tesla? Well, what happens eight years from now when that 60,000 Tesla that I've invested in in order to save $80 a month in gas falls apart in 10 years because the electrical components have worn out because the rust got into the rear rear panel and, and all this other problems. What do you do then? we will go out and buy another one. Will there be subsidies? Will they have to subsidize it more? Because now you haven't got a down payment because the car that you had is falling apart. You can't trade it in. This is what happens when government gets involved in the private industry. My issue is not people buying electric cars. My issue is the government mandating and encouraging and subsidizing their use. That means the government is making winners and losers. It's picking and choosing what you should do and how you should live your life. And as a result, it's having the usual effect. For every problem it solves, it creates two more. What are we going to do on the landfills? What are we going to do with the batteries? What are we going to do with these old cars? Then they can't be parted out. The backyard mechanic can't fit fix an electric vehicle the way he can a 65 Ford. What what's going to happen then? The junkyard's going to fill up with parts that nobody wants. You know, with an old Ford or an old Chevy. People buy parts off the cars and say, oh, okay, the alternator's still good. Oh, the carburetor's still good. My carburetor's bad. I'll go shove this on my car. You can't do that with electric vehicles. It's, it requires a lot more sophisticated. All these technology that we're adding to our, our, our systems is causing costs to the American consumer, not only in the subsidies, but in the actual product. It's the same way with our military. We spend the fortune on making more and more and more sophisticated weapons, which do work better. There's no doubt about it. But what happens is they become so sophisticated that in a real war, you haven't got enough troops. You haven't got enough guns. You haven't got enough of the basics because you're spending all your money on a on a rail cannon for a naval battle that we haven't had since World War II. But let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Hunter Biden. I feel a little more free to talk about it. We'll be right back.
3: daily bonuses that should brighten your day lol actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
2: i know everybody's hating on disney right now <laughs> for good reason no don't, don't get me wrong it's a good reason I saw, I, I managed to catch today at my end of the day, usually about three o'clock, I go into the workout room. I start working out with the weights and I put on a movie on the screen, you know. So I put, I saw that uh, Black Widow was on Disney Plus. So I, I, I I'm, I'm going to stay with Disney Plus for right now. I, I got a lot of problems with Disney, but they got the products that I enjoy. You know, they got Star Wars. They got Marvel. I, I'm not ready to give it up yet. Yet. So i watch Black Widow. Now, this movie was woke as feck. Okay. But I got to tell you, with all the women in black rubber jumpsuits, I, I was enjoying myself. You know, I don't have a, so much a problem with woke as I do when they take older characters and they ruin it for a woke reason, like Batman or... Uh, uh, Star Wars, which was train wrecked by the woke agenda. I don't have a problem with a movie about Black Widow, about these women assassins, where everybody's a woman. You know, the leader thing's a woman, and, and you know the bad guy is the is the white male, of course. I don't have a problem with that because they're not taking an existing character and bastardizing it for an agenda. And there's plenty of agenda in this movie, and the action is kind of ridiculous, but it's a comic book movie, right? I mean. In all seriousness, when you got a 10-foot Hulk running around, green skin, Hulk, you got to put aside your your logic and reasoning and just enjoy it for what it is, an action-adventure movie. And I got to tell you, Scarlet Johansson was great. The movie was pretty good. I wouldn't put it in the top 10 of Marvel movies, but it was certainly enjoyable. It certainly didn't deserve the reputation that it got, that, oh, it's is a stupid movie. Well, yeah, but... That's what it is. You're, you're talking about a female superhero, right? Black Widow. So naturally, it's going to be a story heavy laden with, you know, issues about that affect women and stuff. So I, I, I accepted it. You know, you got to you got to sometimes take the good with the bad, you know, and I, I wouldn't say it was a, a bad movie. It was certainly better. And I know I'll get a lot of criticism for this. It was certainly better than that new Batman movie, that new Batman movie. I had major issues with. It was just fucking awful. Pardon my French, but the the Black Widow movie, uh, enjoy it. If you, if you get if you have still have Disney Plus or catch it on Amazon Prime, enjoy yourself. I, I give it I give it a, th- a, a a halfway a thumbs up. Okay. Hunter Biden. That lap stop story is starting to heat up. There's now evidence. That President Biden was doing favors for Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden was accepting money from people that Joe Biden was doing favors for. Now, I'm not saying that it was a pay for play scheme, but the stuff that's on that laptop and the stuff that's now coming out with the attorney general's office doing the investigation and his leaks are coming out, it was absolutely blatant what they were doing. Pay for play. You pay Hunter, do good by Hunter. And then Hunter would call up the president and go, oh, you need to meet with this guy because, you know, he did this and he did that for me. And uh, it would be a great favor. You know how this thing goes. It would be a great favor to me if you would talk to him. He's got some really good points about how to deal with fossil fuels in the future in this country or how to deal with this. And most of the people that have now come out have now been connected to the laptop, to Hunter Biden, and this does not have got to do anything with his drugs or prostitution women that he was with. This is a straight up thing. These people had deep Chinese connections. It's more than just he accepted money to to listen to a petroleum guy or oil industry guy pontificate about how you can do this to help our industry. And it's not that 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 goes on all the time in Washington, even though they deny it. And all the time in Washington, senators and congressmen meet with people that Friends of theirs who help them get into office, they meet with them and listen to them. That doesn't necessarily mean they, they advocate for legislation. They just they say, okay, I'll listen to you. You, you donated, you know, bundled half a million dollars to my campaign. All right. Money buys access in Washington, and it's a gray area as far as the law is concerned. When you're talking about foreign nationals and you're talking about issues which may damage the American economy, in favor of these people, and you're talking about deliberate cash flow, pay for play, you give me money and I'll get you access to the president, then you've got a problem. You have a problem considering what's going on in the world right now. you got to understand a war between NATO and Russia would have enormous implications for China. If these two countries go to war, no matter how it ends, there's no winners. Both countries suffer massive losses. It would certainly weaken Russia, which is on China's border, and definitely weaken the United States, no matter who wins. And judging by the results of what's going on in Ukraine, it would be a pretty bad fight. And China knows this. And it seems to me that all the European leaders are cautious about their comments about Putin, are cautious about doing business with Putin, are, are cautious about this whole thing, and are seriously worried about World War III, while Zelensky and Biden are screaming holy hell about Putin and engaging them in a way that is going to expand the war. And when you put it in, into the context of these deep Chinese connections with people that were doing business with Hunter Biden, it begins to wonder, maybe we should have a special investigator. And Jonathan Turley was on and he was talking about it in an article. And he said, this is a classic example of why you need a special investigator into a presidency. Was or is the presidency compromised by an enemy country? And they are an enemy country. I, people seem to forget it. I don't, you know, everybody's talking about Russia right now. Russia, Russia. And that, and there's no doubt Russia is an adversary nation. But the Chinese are far more dangerous and far more problematic for us than Russia is because of our extensive ties with them, our extensive established relations and trade and whatnot. And they potentially are a more lethal threat because of one basic fact, which everyone seems to ignore. They're communists. And I know Putin in a dictatorship isn't much better, but the communist mentality is very different. You have to understand that they do things in a, you know, almost machine like manner, and they are a very dangerous foe to the United States. And when you're talking about the president of the United States, we're not talking about a congressman screwing around with a Chinese spy. We're talking about a president of the United States altering our policies and our national pride in order to appease Chinese leadership. We've got a problem. And I've said to you this before. Barbarians are inside the gate. It's not, oh, barbarians are outside the gate. we got to watch. It's too late. We've got a problem. And I'm not saying... Oh, President Biden is compromised. I say we need to have a special investigator. And I am i would assume that if the House and the Senate are recaptured in the fall, Congress will pressure the executive branch to appoint a special investigator because that's how it's done. Congress goes to the president and says, we have a problem. We don't know what's been going on with these pay-for-play schemes that were on your son's laptop. We don't know... Who the big guy is? We don't know ABCD. And the American public deserves to know. And unless we do, we're going to have to begin impeachment proceedings. Because if you're going to conceal it, and this is the very conversation that that Congress had with Richard Nixon, both Republican and and Democrat, said, look, we're not saying you're corrupt. We're not saying that you broke into, into the Watergate building. But there are questions and it needs to be answered. And so Archibald Cox was appointed. Nixon relented because they came to him and said, we're going to begin an impeachment inquiry unless you have a special investigator. And there were all kinds of court cases about it. What had essentially happened with the Watergate and with subsequent investigations is they had finally decided that the House and the Senate does not have oversight over the presidency. The Congress cannot go to the president and say, you need to do this or we'll impeach you. That's not how it works each branch of government is separate and the executive branch is entrusted to investigations and law enforcement through the attorney general's office and the attorney general needs to be independent it's one of the reasons why sessions distanced himself from donald trump donald trump didn't really get it and we talked about that at the time they went to him and they said okay we need to do a special investigator then now, some Supreme Court justices, when those, this was all in the court cases about Archibald, Cox, and Warnergate, some Supreme Court has a hesitation because he says, if you do this, you're going to create a fourth branch of government potentially. And they put in certain safeguards. But this is a prime case, as Jonathan Trillis said, prime case is a special investigator when there's questions about a president's credibility. And there is. I mean, we saw him the other day with Obama, and there's questions about even whether Joe Biden is completely competent. Let's talk about that next. We'll be right back. And so with the vice president, Kamala Harris. And a lot of people interpreted that as Barack Obama is trying to help Joe Biden because the midterms are coming. We're only six months away and he's in trouble. Popularity is lower every day. They're not even happy with the way he's handling Ukraine as much as some of the people on the left are lauding Joe Biden for bringing NATO together, which is just the opposite. NATO is in trouble, by the way. We're going to talk about that in tomorrow's show. Obama came out, make a speech, made a few jokes about who's really in charge, which I didn't find very funny, nor did any other people. And Obama had a tweet out another tweet today, walking back some of the comments that he made. But I, I didn't take too much issue with that because it's a sense of humor, poor sense of humor, poor judgment in making jokes about Joe Biden still being the vice president. But that, you know, that's the kind of thing that you just let it go. Right? The only reason it's an issue is because everyone can see Joe Biden fumbling and wandering around the stage like an old man who's senile and funny. I mean, that's, it's fun to make jokes about it, but let this first, put this in a serious context. A number of people noticed, and I did, that Barack Obama, as he was greeting people, was greeting people not with the president of the United States, but with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris was saying, oh, meet this person. Obama shakes his hand. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is in the back uh, with a blank look on his face, uh, uh, trying to shake people's hand, then wanders off by himself. Nobody wanted to talk to him. And Barack Obama was the toast of the town. And Kamala Harris was there at his side, introducing him to people. Uh, Funny thing about politics, and they used to do this in the era of Brezhnev, When you look at photos of the old guard, communist old guard, like Brezhnev and and Yeltsin and all of them in the picture, right, it was really important to view who was standing next to the most important guy. The guy standing next to Brezhnev is the guy that's going to replace him. It's always been that way with power politics. When you look at old photos of Jimmy Carter and stuff, you'll notice the key people around him are people – that became movers and shakers when Carter moved on. So I found it interesting that Kamala Harris was doing the introductions and not President Biden. It should have been Biden. It should have been, hey, listen. Hey, uh, I'm president and this is my associate and this is my associate. You know, he wasn't in command of his faculties. He wasn't the, the guy everybody was, his eyes are drawn to. Everybody's eyes were drawn to Kamala Harris and Barack Obama. Now, what does that indicate? Well, if we were a communist empire, it would suggest that Kamala Harris was going to become president very shortly, that Kamala Harris was the person to be talking to. Kamala Harris was the one of person of interest. And in fact, many people have been talking about Harris's turnover in her staff, which could be a couple of things. And most people interpret it as, well, everybody's getting out now because the midterms are coming and they're not long for the office. Yeah, but. There could be another possibility. The people that are leaving Harris's side now, who are leaving jobs for other jobs, may be forced out because they're going to replace it with our own staff when Joe Biden moves on. There is a strong probability that this scandal with Hunter Biden's laptop and his incompetence in Ukraine and Afghanistan, his malfeasance with the economy, the inflation, the the gas prices, uh, the domestic issues, the lower popularity. It's an entire possible that if they lose the House and Senate, that they, Joe Biden will be impeached and removed from office out of sheer incompetence. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan of that because that means Harris becomes president. But Barack Obama playing a role at this time might be an architect of that. Then we need to get Joe Biden out. You know, he has a lot of influence in the Democrat Party, maybe even more than Biden himself. And it may be that he's realizing we got to move Biden in and out and maybe we can build up Harris because that's the only person that can replace him by law. And then we get an opportunity to what? Pick a new vice president, right? And who would be best for that? Well, Barack Obama, I'm sure, is going to have a say in that, which will be really interesting how this game plays out. I don't know how it's going to go or which way it's going to go, but I smell problems for Biden. Why is the press going after Hunter Biden all of a sudden now? They buried that story. It was dead. Why is it getting stirred up now? Oh, well, because Fox News. No, 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 no. They could easily keep this story buried. Social media could keep banning people from even mentioning it. The New York Post could stay banned. They could keep going after independent journalists. Why? Why now? Why is all of a sudden Washington Post, New York Times are verifying the Hunter Biden laptop and doing it in dribs and drabs to keep you hooked on the story, but not too much where it becomes so obvious we got to get rid of him now. I think the fix is in to get rid of Joe Biden. And I think regime change is coming. I told you this when he got elected. You're going to see a fast turnover of presidents because that's the game the Democrats are trying to play. They no longer get leaders elected. They get them installed. Kamala Harris will pick a vice president that will be extremely popular with the American people. And then Harris will go, will not be able to run in 2024. And then the vice president will step forward and run for president. And they'll install that person. And then they'll get to pick the next replacement for them. And they'll have a stacked set of dominoes. I told you this would happen. You might see as much as five or six presidents in the next 10 years. And this is just the beginning, I think, of it. I really do. Not to mention the fact that the public... Is really getting fed up with this administration. Like, like I mean, just today on the press conference with Jen Psaki, you know, she's not long for it. So she's she's just spouting the the the, the party line nonstop. And you talking about illegal alien cell phones, right? She really didn't have any answer. Peter Ducey was asking about this, and what they're doing is with these illegal aliens. Get this: If you're an illegal alien in the country. They can't handle all the people coming in, and this is going to become more of a factor when Title 42 goes away. They can't handle all the people. They're going to have, they, the courts just can't handle it. So what they're doing is they're telling these people, okay, we'll send you to the city where you got a friend or a family member or where you want to go, and you have to report in when you're there, but because we can't really trust you, we're going to issue these cell phones to you, and we're going to call you from time to time to verify where your location is. Really? And Peter Ducey brings up and says, well, what's to prevent him from throwing the phone away? And and Saki's response was very telling. Oh, do you have any evidence that they're throwing it away? Do you have any studies that show that illegal aliens throw away Obama phones? And he's like, no, I don't. But I got a fucking common sense, right? I mean, let's face it. I got common sense. I know full well. If you know you're an illegal alien, you know you don't have a right to be here. You know that there's no way you're going to win in a court. And a lot of them do. They claim asylum, but they know, I ain't going to get in. They just throw the phone away and disappear and fade into the crowd and just end up in a farm field or a low-level job somewhere and nobody knows who they are. My God, half of them can change names and, and would not be recognized. There's no way to trace their background or their criminal history. They've even admitted that in press conferences. Oh, we can't. There's too many and it's too wide a a selection and we don't have an, uh, an exchange of information the way we want to between us and these countries, especially in Ukraine or Afghanistan or some of these nations, which are the previous government is completely destroyed. We have no way of tracking these people. That's why they're given the cell phones in the first place. By the way, they don't need to call them. If they've got a cell phone and an IP address, they can find you. That's why they're doing it. Because it, it's abominable for the Americans to realize that, well, they're not going to put ankle cuffs on all of them, are they? So they just give them a cell phone. We can just track them through the cell phone. It's much more efficient. It, sounds, it seems like we're doing them a favor. If we put an ankle cuff on them, right, then then everyone's going to you know, cry all kinds of cries of fascism and Nazism and, and, and 1984 and Orwell. So if we just give them a cell phone, we could track them that way too. We don't need to call them. They have an IP address on. It's easily traceable. Right to the cell phone tower in their nearest neighborhood. That's why I don't carry the damn thing. I don't want anybody knowing where I am. That's how it works. So I, the popularity of Biden, you know, these, these things people realize. They're not stupid. They, they're fed up. And, and Governor Abbott tonight, right before I went on the air, said we're going to start shipping these illegal aliens and dropping them off in a bus on Capitol Hill. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be able to do it, but it's just the American people are fed up. And Barack Obama is sharp enough to know that. Joe Biden isn't. Joe Biden is fading fast, intellectually, physically. And his policies are not working out. His administration is a failure. I mean, you haven't seen anything from this women, all-women cabinet. How's that working out for you, Joe? Anyway, we've got to move on. I, I got to talk about another national STD that won't, won't go away. Hillary Clinton. We'll be right back.
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Nillory Clinton, National STD. She just won't go away. We've inoculated ourselves. We've given ourselves all kinds of Penicillin in the form of Donald Trump hasn't worked, has it? Can't get rid of it. I would have thought she'd have faded away by now. I thought she was done after the 2016 failure, but here we are, 2022. 2022, and she's still around. Whew. Well, I don't normally pay much attention to her, but she's obviously angling for a shot in this administration. Or in the next administration. I have no idea whether she'll be picked or chosen for it. I have no idea what goes through the minds of Barack Obama or the Democratic Party anymore. I really don't. They're mentally ill. They're a cult. I don't understand them anymore. Other than... The, the only thing I could as, assume now is they say and do so many stupid things that it's intentional. Hillary Clinton comes out and talks again. She has a speaking thing. She talks about a tweet sent out by the DNC chairman. She tweeted, the DNC chairman said the Republican Party shouldn't exist. It's a policy of racism, divisiveness, hatred. It shouldn't exist. It's a policy of Nazism. They use that word. Hillary Clinton says the same thing. Republicans don't deserve to be in power. Now, a lot of people got mad at that. But I heard some truth in it. Republicans don't deserve power. What does that mean? That people that do things in the right way, in the correct way, in a process way, are deserving of power and Republicans are not deserving power. We don't have a concept of power by being deserved. Its power is not earned in America. Political office is not power. Political office is service to the American public. And Hillary Clinton said something very truthful about the way the Democrats view government service. Power. And you had to deserve it, as if it was doled out because of your behavior. That was the very anathema of what the framers of the Constitution wanted. They did not want royalty. They did not want power doled out. In fact, they did not want power at all. They wanted government to be service. That's why our Congress is set up with these long breaks. You're supposed to go home and run your own business. You're only supposed to gather together a couple times during the year and take a few votes on how the country should run. It's not a matter of power. It's it's a matter of public service. And it shouldn't be your primary job. And yet, we now have career politicians in a job forever because they deserve it. Well, they deserve it. They said all the right things. They are doing all the right things. They should have power over the American people. No, they should not have power. As a matter of fact, the way the Constitution is set up and the way the nation was originally set up, it was designed to prevent power from forming in the halls of government. And this... This goes over, and you know, I haven't heard anyone talking about this anywhere. Maybe there is somebody, I don't know. But that expression, deserving of power, tells you a lot about the mindset of people like Hillary Clinton, people of the liberal mentality, people like celebrities. Well, he doesn't deserve that Oscar. Will Smith doesn't deserve that Oscar because he broke the rules. He hit somebody, he acted violently. Tiger Woods deserves all that celebrity. He hits a ball well and we're all entertained by it. Well, it doesn't matter that it was a DUI. He didn't hurt anybody else. And so he didn't act violently. So he's deserving of what he gets. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to get approval and then you're installed power. That's nothing what I feel government is all about. Government is all about service take a job for a few years take a few votes i i you know i i used to go every now and then to legislature meetings and city council i can't stand it i can't stand it i i and i i sit there and i watch these people come in with clipboards and and binders full of friggin' papers and all the people walking in with boxes and bags and i'm like is that what government is i don't want any part of it i now i know what what the framers meant service Right, You're doing your duty and then you move on to whatever your real job is. They view it as power. And the thought of these Quasimodos having power over me appalls me. I find that comment appalling, not because of the insult to the Republican Party. That's what everybody's talking about. Oh, the party of fascism and party of racism. That means they they don't understand even what the idea of being conservative is. I didn't find that insulting. In order to, to be insulted, me personally, I have to value your opinions. And I don't value anything coming out of the Democratic Party chairman's office or Hillary Clinton. So I'm not insulted at all. I don't even care. I don't even care about that. What I care about is their viewpoint of the way government should be handled as power. Do you remember when, when Barack Obama first took office? I remember it. It was the key phrase that motivated me to get into this business that I'm doing today. We can't wait to rule. When I heard that, my head nearly spun off the We can't wait to rule. That was how they viewed what their job was. It wasn't about rescuing the people from a bad president in President Bush. It wasn't about bringing a better life. It wasn't about hope. It wasn't about change. It wasn't about anything but what. We can't wait to rule. And I said at that time, our country is in deep, deep trouble. I still remember the night it happened. It was a night after the inauguration. The comment was made and I turned to my better half and I said, watch, these guys are going to try and deconstruct the greatest economy since the Roman Empire. And I was right. And that's why I said, I got to do something. I can no longer sit in my office and make money anymore. And just go on with my life and view politics and government as an aside. No. I watched them destroy the insurance industry. I watched them destroy the automotive industry. I watched them destroy the real estate industry. I'm not going to let it go on. I'm going to do something about it. And that viewpoint of the Democrats, of liberals, of Hillary Clinton has not changed to this day. And their viewpoint of what their job is and what their duty and what their role in American societies, hasn't changed a bunch either. And I think it's even more important than ever that people get involved at the local level. We're out of time. Again, I hope you enjoyed this week's shows. If you'd like to see more of them, the Friday show, and uh, direct stuff through our website is available to anyone that donates $2 a month to the show, $2 a month. You'll never miss it. You click on the link saying, I'd like to donate and you click $2. And then there's a box you want to subscribe. In other words, it, it automatically enrolls you every month, $2 and you get the, the shows email to your inbox every day, as well as any updates to the website, any relevant articles or charts that I use emailed. If you donate $8 or more, which is, Great, helps us out, offsets a lot of our costs. We do have costs just to run the show. It cost costs me several hundred a month. If you donate $8 or more, you get it in video form with no ads. So you can, you can listen to it on your, your cell phone just as well as the radio show, but no ads, it goes right into all the stories. You'll have to still have a musical break for like 15 seconds, but no ads. Best deal in town per month. You get a lot of content for $8 a month, a lot of content for two, certainly. We'll be back tomorrow for those of you who donate. And then for those of you who don't, we'll be back on Monday. Take care, folks. Have a good one.